You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. Said a good hearty. Come on, church. Amen. 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 Well, we've been in a series that we've entitled Aftermath. And what we've been looking at since Easter is what took place after Easter. I think a lot of people understand the, uh, like what took place leading up to the resurrection of Jesus. A lot of people in church understand, and maybe you've been around church, even if you're a, a Christer, a Christmas Easter-er, okay, um, you understand some of the things that led up to the resurrection. You're going to understand maybe the triumphal entry. You understand the Last Supper. You've heard, you've heard about the crucifixion. And you've also heard about the resurrection. But, but here's what we've been doing in this series is we've been focusing our time on where the gospel writers focus their time. Because you see, the gospel writers, when they talk about the resurrection of Jesus, they, they give a very small percentage to the actual resurrection itself, and most of the, t- of the writing is spent on what took place after. Someone say after. After Jesus rose again. Because after Jesus rose again, he spent 40 days. Someone say 40 days. 40, 40 days. And in those 40 days, he was revealing himself, listen, to different disciples in different places who found themselves in different places in their life. He was meeting with people. And what I want you to understand in this series is that Jesus still, the risen Savior, comes to meet with people no matter where they find themselves. Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. We're going to get to that next week. And he's going to send his spirit and commission the church to go change the world. Before he could get them there, he's got to meet them here. He's got to deal with them here. And so Jesus is going and he's revealing himself to different individuals. And so we, we've seen and what we're learning is the heart of God and, and who it is he goes to. And so he went to, you remember the road to Emmaus and he goes to these two who are, they're walking the wrong way. You know anyone walking the wrong way? And you're like, God bless them. And the Lord's like, I do want to, I do want to. I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna follow them. Like, I'm not gonna just let them go. And so road to Emmaus. Remember Mary, Mary's in this place where she's hurting and, and Jesus comes to meet with her. He met with her first. He found the, the person on the planet that was hurting the most and said, that's who I'm going to go meet with. And then we also learned as we closed out last week, he met with Mary. And then he met with Thomas, doubting Thomas, right? And that you needed to, what we learned is that God's not afraid of your doubts. And then just keep coming back. Just keep leaning in. Just keep asking questions. And, and here's what I want to show you today. It's, it's when Jesus went to meet with Peter, Peter who, listen, had failed miserably, miserably. And what I want you to see today as we talk through this, I, 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 this, this, the time we spend together can be very powerful if you would be just kind of honest with yourself and where you're at. And I want you to see today is that no matter where you've fallen or where you've failed in life, that, that Jesus is wanting to meet with you. Amen. Listen, he's actually wanting to, he's wanting to restore you. Peter, Peter had a really bad weekend on, the, on Easter weekend. Um, it started out on Thursday. So if you know the story, Peter, Peter on Thursday, Jesus was trying to prep his disciples. Like, hey, everybody, listen, I want you to know it's about to get a little, about to get a little rough, about to get a little, little, um, little tough on you guys. Matter of fact, with everything that's going to happen, you're, all of you are going to leave. You're going to leave me. Uh, you're going to desert me. And Peter, Peter steps and goes, Lord. 
though all others forsake you. I'm sure he's pointing at all the other disciples. Like, if the, though all these guys, I, I get it. I get it when you're talking about them, but you're talking about me, Jesus, Peter. Like, though they all forsake you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. In front of everybody, Peter pushes back. He pushes back on Jesus. And he says, Jesus, even if I must die with you, I will never deny you. Well, you know the story. That very night, Jesus gets arrested in Gethsemane and he's taken away. All the disciples flee. Peter's trying to prove his point and he's gonna stay close to Jesus. And so Jesus is taken over to the high priest's courtyard where he's being held on trial by the high priest. And Peter goes and, and you know, he's, he's kind of keeping himself at a distance, but he's, he's wanting to stay close to see what's gonna happen with Jesus. He told Jesus, I'll die with you. And so here he is, he's, he's kind, of, kind of tracking with Jesus. Now he can't get caught because we don't know what's gonna happen with Jesus yet. And whatever happens with Jesus is probably gonna happen with his disciples. So we, we gotta keep our distance, but he goes in and he, he sneaks himself into the, into the court of the, of the high priest. And, and it says that there was a fire lit. Someone say a fire, a fire, it's important. There's a fire and, and Peter goes over by the fire and the coals are burning. He's kind of hanging there and lights flickering across his face and he's trying to pay attention to what's happening to Jesus in the distance. And a young servant girl comes up and says, hey, aren't you, aren't you one of them? Aren't you one of Jesus's disciples? And, and, and Peter goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the man. And, and then that little servant girl, she, she turns to some of the other men that were standing around, others standing around. She goes, hey guys, isn't, didn't we see him with Jesus? And, and Peter goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know, I don't know this Jesus, not, not me. And then it goes on to say this in Matthew 26. It says a little while later, the other gospels say about an hour later, those standing there went up to Peter and they said, surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then Peter, watch, began to curse and to swear. Peter curses and he swears and he says, I don't know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus that before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And get this, everybody. He went out and he wept bitterly. Peter failed big time. And we all do. Maybe you come in here today, right in the middle of it. Like someone in your life Things have not gone the way, gone the way you hoped. You, 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 and you come in here today wearing that failure. Maybe, maybe you're carrying around failure from a job. Maybe it's failure in a relationship. Maybe it's something that you've done in, in, in a marriage or haven't done in a marriage or, or in your parenting, your father, mother. Like, and you're looking, you're just like, I fail. I'm messing this all up. I keep, right? And, and you come in here today carrying that failure. I, I don't know what it is in your life, but I need you to be honest about it. Because maybe you've told yourself, man, I'll never do that. And then you did that. And then you told yourself, I'll never do that again. And then you've done it again. And, and now you find yourself in this place where you feel like it's all over. You feel like there's no hope. You feel like there's no way. Like Peter, just 
Here's what I want you to understand from the life of Peter today is that even when you have failed, God will never fail. Listen to me. Even when you, even on your worst day in the middle of your worst mistake in the middle of the, can I just say the dumbest thing you've ever done? When you're at your worst, you got a God who's at his best. Like when you fail, God never will. Hey, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Listen, can I just say something? Peter is about to be restored. Peter is about to be recommissioned into ministry. Peter is about, he's got more ahead of him than was behind him. Right? That's all. Like he's about to be brought back into ministry again. Matter of fact, when the angels told Mary, this is how much the heart of God is on, on Peter. In the middle, I'm trying to get you on something. In the middle of your failure, heaven is not running from you. Heaven's running toward you, okay? And wants to restore you. So you're sitting there thinking, it's all over. I'm all alone and I can never and I'm never gonna be. And heaven's just going, come on, I just, I gotta get, I gotta get to Peter. I gotta get to Peter. So matter of fact, when Mary, we talked about Mary, when Mary was there with the angels and the angels are like, hey, Jesus isn't here, he's risen, Right? You know what they said? They also said this, watch, watch this note. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. Heaven's thinking about Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. Here's my question. Why and Peter? Here's what I think. Can I just... I think if he would have just said, go tell the disciples, maybe, maybe everybody had already written Peter off. Maybe, maybe Mary would have been like, oh, you must me, Emma, but Peter, because you heard what Peter did. You heard how Peter blew it. You heard, you heard how he, you heard, everyone, everyone's been talking about it. Everyone denied the Lord three times. Just Jesus told him he's going to. And he, in front of all of us, it, some of you feel like that. Like you've got a, your failure, the, the, the worst kind of, the hardest kind of failure, they're they're all dangerous, but one of the hardest ones is when your failure is public, everyone sees it, and here's what's happened. Everyone starts writing you off. Some of you feel like that today. I've got you know, a spouse that's written me off, and kids have written me off, and a community that's written me off, and friends have written me off, and family's written me off, and everyone's writing me off. I think Peter knows what that's like. Go, but the scripture says, go tell the disciples and Peter. Why? Because even though everyone on earth might have written off Peter, heaven has not written off Peter. Heaven still has its heart set on Peter. And I need you to understand that today. Listen to me. God doesn't write people off. He lifts people up. He lifts people up. He he goes to when all the work, come on. I'm telling you right now, there are some of you who have written people off in your life. I'm gonna go the other way with this. You've written people off and God's going, how dare you? I haven't written them off. Like, what, what, if, what if God wrote you off in the middle of your worst decision? Yeah. Go tell the disciples, hey, and make sure you get Peter. And you need to remember that, friends. God doesn't write people off. And here's why it's so important to remember that. Come on, let this settle in your heart. Because if you don't remember that, then what's gonna happen in your life is you're gonna get stuck. You're gonna get you're gonna get stuck in the pain, you're gonna get stuck in the failure, you're gonna get stuck in the frustration, you're gonna get stuck. 
what I want you to remember is you don't have to be stuck. You don't have to stay there. Like, understand this. Like, just because you've had a bad experience in a relationship or just because you made a bad decision or you had a bad day, you had a bad month, it's been a bad year. Come on, somebody. It's been a bad decade. I don't know. Fill in the blank. Just because you've, you've done some dumb things and you've, you've made a mess. Some of you have left a wake of destruction behind you in all the decisions you've made. But I'm here today to tell you, go get the disciples and Peter. Heaven's eyes on you. Look, and just because you've done the wrong thing, it doesn't mean you're done. It doesn't mean it's over. It doesn't mean you can't hope again. It doesn't mean you can't believe again. It doesn't mean you can't dream again. It doesn't mean you can't have peace again. It doesn't mean you can't be restored again. God is about to do it for Peter. And friends, he'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. The book of Lamentations says that God's mercies are new every morning. Every single morning, his mercies are new and they never come to an end. And friends, listen, because his mercies never come to an end, your potential never comes to an end. Please hear that. If you don't receive it, you will get stuck. So some of you today, you're in here, you're stuck because you haven't received the fact that God wants to restore you and he could do more. You're, there's more in your face. So here's where you are. You're, you're stuck in the hurt. You're stuck in the pain. You're stuck in the circumstance. You're stuck in the failure. And some of you today are stuck. Peter's about to be restored, commissioned back into ministry. And friends, I so much want that for you, just to be restored. But, but here's what I want you to see. I, I want you to notice a couple things that led to Peter's restoration. So spoiler alert, he's gonna get restored. But what led to his restoration, to that moment where he met with Jesus and was fully restored? We're gonna look at all of it, but what led there? And I want you to pay attention to a couple things. It says that when Peter heard the rooster crow, that he went outside and what? Do you remember what it said? He wept bitterly. And I think this is one of the very first steps in you actually being restored, is that before you can be restored, you've gotta first own your failure. Listen, I know that that point was not popular. I'm going to write it down. I don't know write that down. I don't know. Failure? I don't know. Look at You got to be willing to admit it. You got to be willing to face it, not ignore it. Don't downplay it. You got to call it what it is. Peter, Peter, the full weight of what he had done hit him and he wept bitterly. It broke him. And some of you cannot be restored because you haven't allowed yourself to just sit in the fact that, man, I blew it. I, so I need you to understand, write this down. Before we could overcome our failure, come on, I'll give you a second to write it. Before we could overcome failure, before we could, you got it? Say got it. Before we could overcome failure, we first have to overcome our pride. If you don't overcome your pride, you'll never overcome your failure. Because here's what pride does. Here's what pride does, and this is some of you right now. Your pride, you're gonna walk around going, Oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Like Jesus said three times. It was really kind of two and a half times because I don't know if the first the servant girl, she's like, it's, it's like servant girl. She like, like, that didn't really, so it's like a halfer. So like two and a half, there Jesus, it wasn't. So Jesus looks at Peter, Peter looks like, it wasn't three. How are you counting that as three? That's pride, right? Is it, and and some, of, some of us are walking around going, it's not that bad. Everyone's telling you it's bad. Your spouse is like, this bad. Your kids, it's bad. You're like, it's not that bad. It's not that bad, everybody. It's not that bad. What's the only thing so bad? Caution, friend. 
if you're going to walk around in pride, you will never be restored. God wants to restore you. He wants to heal you. But you just got to open up your eyes long enough to admit the fact it's all messed up. You got to own it. See, pride, pride, pride. It's, it's not my fault. Well, I wouldn't have if they wouldn't have. And pride's pointing its finger at everybody else. Pride wants to soften the reality of what's actually going on. It wants to justify everything. It, it's just, man, I'm gonna, if I justify everything, then you can fix nothing. If you're justifying everything in your life, it'll never actually be healed. It'll never actually be fixed. And some of you, that, some of us, that's our biggest issue right now is you just, just stop and join Peter for a second and just let it break you. Man, he wept bitterly. Somebody like, I won't go there. You want to admit you're messed up. You want to admit that it's not working well. You want to admit your marriage needs help. You want to come in for counseling. You want to admit you got a low spot. You want, come on, let it break you. Understand God loves you right where you are. He wants to move you from where you are, but you first have to admit where you are. You with me, church? I call it the blue dot, right? You've heard me talk about this. Hey, Siri. Everyone's phones are going to go off. Hey, Siri, get me, to, give me directions to Laguna Beach. And Siri can give you directions to Laguna Beach. But here's what it does is it, it shows you this thing called the blue dot. And the blue dot is where you are. Now, if you're going to argue with Siri about where you are, then you're never going to get to where you need to be. And some of you are arguing with God about where you are. God's going, I'm trying to get you to where you need to be. Well, God, that's not where I am. So you got to own, I'm going to own it. Yes, God. You know what confession is? When, when he says, he says, confess your sins and he's faithful and just to forgive you. You know what that means, confession? It's just you agreeing with God that it's really as bad as God says it is. It's just you going, okay. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly. If there's sin, you confess it. Call it what it is. Don't justify it. Don't say, well, it's, you call it what it is. If it's sin, it's sin. Don't call it anything other than what it is. Why are you being so hard? I, I want you to be restored. But you can't get there until you start here. Peter's going, I'm broken. You can't fix anything unless you, you know, the, one of the first things, I don't know if I've had enough time to do this, but I'm doing it anyway. One of the first things we do in our staff meeting is we go, everybody went good. Everyone goes, this went good, that went good. Okay, everyone, now, now let's talk about not just wins, we're going to talk about losses. Do you know why we talk about losses every week? And Tatum always has the biggest list, by the way. She's always like, hey, everybody, here's what we talk about. We all got a lot of losses. I'm trying to train everybody, come bring your losses. Why? Because we'll never get better until we address what's going wrong. And I want this environment to be excellent. I can't wait for the new venue. Because you guys will actually get to see how excellent we can do things. Like we, but it's like you're setting up a tearing down. Line. But if we're ever going to move forward into excellence, you got to start to... I, I call it, you gotta have a critical eye. Not a critical heart, but an eye. Like, that's off, that's off, that's off, that's off, that's off. And so listen, we gotta in our life just walk around. A little bit of a critical eye going, that's off, that's off, that's off, that's off, that's off. Everyone makes sense? Everyone makes sense. Is that good English? Does that make sense, everybody? Write the second thing down. I'm gonna do this one quick. It's this, is that first you gotta, you gotta own it. So let's say own it. And the second thing is this, that the next time we see Peter, we're going to go over to John for the rest of our time together. Next time we see Peter, where is he? Do you know where Peter's at? It tells us that afterwards, Jesus appeared to his disciples again in John chapter 21 by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way, Simon Peter, there he is, 
Thomas, doubting Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel and from Cana and Galilee and the son of Zebedee and two other disciples were there together. They were there doing what? Being together. And it says, I'm gonna go fishing, Simon Peter said. I think it was more like this. I'm gonna go fishing. He's kind of bummed. The other disciples says, well, I guess we'll go with you. They went out, got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Hey, I want you to notice where Peter's at. If you're going to be restored, you've, you've got to resist. Listen, you've got to resist isolation. One of the things that will happen when you fall is that there's going to be a temptation to push yourself away from the very people you need in the moment that you fell. So what will happen is when you fall, there will be this temptation to actually run from the people you need. Pete, Peter doesn't run from people. He runs to his crew. Come on, buddy. You got a crew at Citizens Church? Matter of fact, we're starting cruise. There's a reason we do cruise, because you need them. Part of your restoration happens in the context of community. And what the enemy always does is he wants to push you from community into isolation. And so when you fall, like, I, can't, I don't know if I could be around people, and you push yourself away. I can't bring myself to church again, and I can't. No, that's the very place you need to be. Those are the people that love you and want to walk with you. Do not let the enemy lie to you. You've got to own your failure and you've got to resist. Look at me, resist isolation. Any thought that is trying to push you away from people and into isolation is a thought from the pit of hell. The enemy is the one who isolates people. Jesus gathers people together. Peter was with the rest of them. Own your failure, resist isolation. And then it goes on to tell us this. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. And he calls out to them, friends, have you any fish? And one of the greatest miracles in all of scripture now takes place. A bunch of fishermen tell the truth. No, they answered. My dad will tell me stories about fish. I'm like, show me a picture. Well, I mean, it wasn't as big as I was. They hadn't caught any fish. I mean, if you're Peter, like, it's low, low, low. Like, life's falling apart. I can't, I, I can't even do what I used to do. I'm a, I was a fisherman, and now I can't even catch fish. I mean, and Jesus says to them, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you're going to find some. Do you know that this is actually the second time that Jesus did this? And so they're thinking to themselves, hey, last time someone told us to throw on our net on the other side of the boat, it was, it was Jesus. Do you guys want to? Let's just try it. They throw the salt net on the other side. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. And the disciple who Jesus loved, which is John, who's writing this and letting you know that Jesus really loves him, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off to work and he jumped in the water and the other disciples followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, full of fish, full of what? Full of fish. It's important. For they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire, saw a what? Saw a fire. Jesus is preparing to bring him back to the moment of his failure so he could bring him forward from his failure. He invites him to that moment and speaks to him in this moment of burning coals there with fish already on it. I love that, Jesus. He already had fish. Perfect. And some bread. And Jesus says to them, bring me some of the fish you caught. Simon Peter climbs back in the boat, dragged the net ashore, and it was full of large fish, 153 to be exact. That's a lot of fish. Why is scripture telling us that? So you know, 
There's something about fish in this story I'm supposed to pay attention to. But even with so many, the net was not torn, and Jesus said, come and have some breakfast. And when they had finished eating, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, yes, Lord, he said, do you love me more than these? These what? These fish, Peter. You see, Peter was a fisherman. That's what he had done before he had followed Jesus. Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter musters up everything he can in him and he says, yes, Lord, you know, you know that I love you. And Jesus says to him, then feed my lambs. Peter probably felt like, what do you mean do I love you more than these? Before you showed up today, I thought all I had was these. I thought all I can do was this. You see, Jesus, I failed in following you. I failed in ministry. I failed in my calling. I've messed up. I'm at a low point now. All I can do is go back to these, go back to old, go back to what was. I can't move forward. All I have are these. And some of you feel like that today. You've messed up everything else. I'll never be a good this. I'll never be, this will never happen again in my life. So all I can ever be is just this. And Jesus shows up and he goes, do you love me more than these? And you're going to argue with Jesus. Well, I mean, what else can I do? I fail at everything else. I failed the first time. I'm going to fail again. I'm going to... But he just musters out and goes, no, Jesus, I, I really would love to move on past these. And Jesus goes, well, then feed my sheep. See, friends, you got to own your failure. You got to resist isolation. And at some point in life, you got to learn to turn the page. See, Jesus said, don't quit, Peter. Like, keep going. Like, like press on. I got more for you, Peter. We're, we're just getting started. Peter, you haven't seen anything yet. You thought what you had was good and where you were was good, but where we're going is better, Peter. You just got to let me get you there. Come on, Peter. It's, you, you're not disqualified. It's not over, Peter. Uh, I'm gonna actually put you back in the ministry, Peter. I I intend to use you again. You got to turn the page. And listen to me, some of you, please hear me. God is saying the same thing to you. It's time to turn the page. Paul said, this is one thing I do. Forgetting what was behind, I press on to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. How? By forgetting what was behind. I can't sit in the context of fishermen when Jesus is calling me to be disciple sheep feeder. Paul said it. Like how did Paul become such a rock in the church? And how did Peter become a rock in the church? Because they were perfect by no means. But because every time they failed, they got up and said, but I press on, but I press on, but I press on, but I press on. I'm going to keep moving on. And Jesus is there the whole time calling you into more and more. And you've got to learn to turn the page. I wonder if some of you need to turn the page today. You need to let God write a new chapter. Maybe you're listening to your shame, you've been listening to your guilt, forgetting all along that you serve the God who cleanses you of both guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. Okay, so I'm gonna own my failure. 
God, resist isolation. I'm going to turn the page. And this is the last part of this, and I want you to just let it, let it sink in, okay? This is how we posture ourselves in life, is you have got to learn, as the worship team comes up, you've got to learn to rely on God's grace from that moment forward. Like, you're going nowhere if you don't learn to rely on God's grace. See, before we understand our absolute dependency on God's grace, we run everything in life with this, like, wild, like, bring it on kind of attitude. And I think there's a lot, I always see it like in, in people who have yet learned. There's this kind of like, I got this, let's go, right? Like Peter, I will never deny, I'm gonna, I'll die with you if I have, maybe these guys, but I, 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 I got this. I, and it's just this wild kind of like, I got this ambition in your life. There's this, there's this kind of like, Nothing's gonna stand in my way. And I'll say this, there's something special about that ambition. I always love it when I see it in somebody because it's like, they're usually leaders. They're gonna change the world. And that's great ambition. But it's ambition that has been yet put in its spot of learning constraint under God's grace. And let me explain that to you. So there's this wild ambition. So here's what it looks like. Here's some of us right now. Okay, it's a good message, Pastor. Say, so I'm gonna fix the marriage. I'm gonna build my business. I'm gonna, ah, I'm gonna, I got this, I got this, I got this. No, you don't. So listen, Pastor Chris, you're trying to tell us we don't got this? I'm trying to tell you, you don't got this, and you got this, but you don't got this. Does that make sense? And I want you to walk with like, I got this, but I don't got this. But I got this, but I don't. Kind of flow in your life. You see, I'm going to build this ministry. I'm going to prove. I'm going to, ah. And I think sometimes you live like that and God goes, okay. Go right on ahead. And you're trying to strive and you're struggling and things are falling apart. And, and it's like Peter. It's like, I'm going to, I'll go to the ends of the earth with you. A servant girl, Peter. And so here's what happens in life. Jesus is teaching Peter something. He shows up to Peter and he goes, and something's happening in the Greek that you can't, you can't see. Is that in the, the Greek language is more colorful than the English language. They got more w- words uh, than we do. And so like for love, we have one word I love, love. Like, so I love pizza and I love my wife. Now, hopefully that's two different kinds of loves, but I, I don't have two different words. So I just go, I love, I love pizza and I love my wife. Well, in Greek, there's multiple different words for, there's four words for, for love. And, and so what happens is, and you don't see it in English, but what's happening in the Greek is, is Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you agape me? Remember, Peter, how you said you'll die for me? Remember how you said you'll go to the ends of the world? Peter, how's that working out for you? Peter, do you agape me? Is your love perfect? Is your strength perfect, Peter? And Peter answers Jesus back and he says, Lord, you know I, and he lessens the love. All I can give you is phileo, Lord. You know I phileo you. I I don't have it all together. I don't have it as much as I thought I did, as much as I had hoped. And three times, Jesus, for every one of his denials, asks him. So he asks him again, Peter, do you agape me? Peter, are you all that? Peter, are you? You got this? And Peter goes, Lord, you know I phileo you. And what happens in the third 
questioning of Jesus when he asked him the third time is that Jesus changes the word. <laughs> Did you hear me? Do you agape me? Do you agape? And he says, Peter, do you phileo me? Is that where you are, Peter? Well, then guess what? I am more than willing to meet you right where you are. If that's the best yes you could give me, if that's the best you can bring, I can work with that. All I need you to do, Peter, is to be honest about where you are and bring your best yes. I will meet you in the middle of your best yes and move you forward into more than you could ever possibly imagine. But you just gotta get honest, Peter. You gotta get honest about where you are. You see, I call it pre-rooster and post-rooster Peter. Jesus is teaching him not to trust in his own faithfulness, but God's faithfulness. Amen? Jesus is like, Peter, I got so much for you, but if we're gonna move into that, I need you to go into that humble, broken, realizing that you don't got that, but you got that, but you don't got that. You need me desperately. You need my grace. And it's the broken Peter, the humble Peter, that God uses to become a great leader within the church. It's a restored Peter. Uh, I'm not all that Peter. A humble Peter, I need you Jesus kind of Peter that becomes a force to be reckoned with. Why? Because he is walking now in grace. He's walking now in grace. And the Peter that Jesus calls forward, please hear me, after the rooster crows is more ready than the Peter that Jesus called before the rooster crowed. Because the Peter after the rooster crowed is going, God, I need you. Every step, every day, every moment, God, I need you. The pre-rooster Peter hoped in his tenacity, his skill, his personality. Why, how many of us? Post-rooster Peter put his hopes in God's mercy, God's grace, God's favor, God's goodness, God's that's where my hope is today. And that's where God shows up. So, I imagine every time that Peter heard a rooster crow, remember, it was Friday, early morning, Thursday night. Here's the rooster crow. And I think every moment, from that moment until he met with Jesus on this shore, every time he heard a rooster crow, it was probably like, oh, man, I messed up so bad. Oh, I was never going to have hope. And that rooster would just remind him of his failure. But I think after he met with Jesus, after he gave Jesus his best yes, after he leaned in, after, listen, everything was different. I think that the thing that once reminded him of his brokenness, of his failure, started to remind him of God's goodness and God's grace, and God's ability to heal, and God's ability to restore. And I'm trying to tell you, friends, that God can use some of the most broken things in your life to become the things that he uses as a microphone to declare his goodness and his grace and his glory. And come on, to the ends of the earth, it could be the very thing, it could be the very thing that now strengthens you and reminds you to walk humble. I think Peter would hear a rooster crow and he would cry out and praise. He would thank God for what he'd done in his life. After he met with Jesus, after he gave his best yes, I want you to understand that no matter how far you've fallen or where you failed in life or what was, maybe what even is right now in this moment, 
God's not afraid of your failure. He doesn't run from you, he runs toward you. And he wants to restore you. What do you bring to the table? It's just your best yes. So, okay, God, I, I'm, not, I'm not quite there, but I'm here. Can you meet me here? God says, yeah, I'll meet you there. Would you let him meet with you today? Come on, genuinely. There's some of you in here right now, you've been letting failure and guilt and shame and all this weigh on you. And I, I want you today to walk out of here better than you came in here, lighter than you came in here, just kind of going, there's a, new, there's a new page that God is gonna write on in my life and I'm turning it over to him today. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. Gotta, gotta keep on